so when we last left Brave Jim... Brave? He was comedically captured. Brave? Yeah, I mean, to the point of foolhardy, but brave. This is a doctor who has despised Long John Silver from moment one. And Silver's like, Hello, mate, how I wonderful to see you. Circumstances, eh? Anyway, welcome, welcome. Me stockade, es su stockade. The one thing Long John Silver's got in spades is his front, isn't it? He's creating a team and then trying to defect. It's like Joseph Stalin turning up in, in Washington going, Hello! Hello, welcome, and for the last time, yar to Shark Liver Oil. I'm Matt. I'm Dave, hello. And this is part six of six of our read-through of Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. Ah, we've come a long way, Dave. We have come a long way. I think we decided to leave the knockout punch for a, a touch longer than perhaps the best dramatic minds would have done but we're back and we're ready for it i'm so excited for this oh yes um so when we last left uh brave jim um he just um brave yeah i mean to the point of foolhardy but brave we've got to give him that (laughs) that's true i'm just i'm not sure brave would be the first word i'd choose to describe him i might start with sort of stupid but (laughs) You know, but we've got to hype it. I feel you. We're hyping, right? Brave, brave Jim Hawkins. Yeah, and he, he was he was comedically captured in that um, he came back from his adventure at sea, having secured the ship once again, and uh, through, through bravery, would we say? <laughs> through yeah, bravery was the primary way that he secured. <laughs> okay, cool, 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 cool. cool. I mean, we could say the lucky Jim Hawkins. I think the the key characteristic is just spectacular <laughs> luck, but. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, so he was uh, he was captured after securing the ship, going back to the stockade, sneaking into the stockade when he heard everybody snoring, and then um, stumbling upon the contents of said stockade and finding out it wasn't his friends, but it was all the pirates. <laughs> so um, that leads us to the next chapter, which is called In the Enemy Camp. Mm. So, um, so all the pirates... Uh, here, um, there are only six of them left now. Um, that's all. All that's left, um, and they have possession of the stockade now. Long John Silver greets Jim in a sort of friendly way. He's like, "Ah, you've come to say hello. Well, I take that friendly. How you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 he kind of carries on in that tone of voice as well. And I really couldn't decide if this was like really terrible one-dimensional characterization here or like genius um characterization of somebody who's like who absolutely can't be trusted even though they're being friendly because hmm. because i thought because i actually i kind of I, like growing up i can remember a few people usually sort of peers of mine who were like weren't aggressive or violent you know they weren't unpleasant but they were definitely not to be trusted hmm. And, it, you know, and, and so I couldn't, it, this reminded me of that, but I couldn't decide if it was just, like, heroically implausible that a pirate stranded on a desert island would greet a 14-year-old who's tried three different times to screw over his dreams of extreme wealth would have the presence of mind to greet him with extreme friendliness. Mm-hmm. Or if, you know, there's some other dynamic at hand, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's the genius of Silver, really, isn't it? He's a backstabber and he's, uh, you know, he's very yeah. pragmatic and sly. But at the same time, he never misses an opportunity to allow someone to help him out by being friendly to them. <laughs> you know? yeah, that's so. true. Yeah, that's true. And we, we'll, yeah, he, he, he will take by flattery what he can't take with a sword. A sword or indeed a well-thrown crutch to the back of the neck. <laughs> he also says in this moment, shiver me timbers, which is, uh, yes! I, I love that phrase. Yeah, uh, Yes! Expression of shock. Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or just, is this the first time we've heard somebody say shiver me timbers in this most piratey of piratical novels? I think so, yeah. Oh, this, is his, this is the debut of it. So um, he says to Jim... Like, you know, oh, well, I've been speaking to your lot and they all hate you now because you ran away. So, but, you know, I'm, I like you still. So do you want to join up with us? Jim, the, one, the only thing Jim takes from this little exchange isn't, oh, no, they hate me. I may as well join up with a pirate. It's just, 
Ah, they're alive then. Okay, that's good news. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, that's a big moment. You know, that's a kind of moment of maturing, isn't it? It's the sort of moment of maturing that George R.R. Martin would take three novels to get to. And I I appreciate the brevity of this this character arc, where he's, you know, he's stopped taking everything for granted and started going, getting the information he needs out of what people say rather than just taking it at face value. Hmm. Yeah. Now, um, (laughs) Jim... Is given this, so it turns out the the pirates are in the stockade. They explain because after the ship drifted away mysteriously, um, they, <laughs> they they cut a deal with the um, with the captain. The captain basically let them take the stockade in exchange for allowing them to sort of go off onto another part of the island unmolested. Which seems a strange deal, but we'll we'll find out more about that later. Um, yeah, it works out being quite a good strategic move on their part, but only because the ship washes up on the other side of the island, <laughs> which you'd have to say is not what you'd bet on happening when you set a massive ship loose on the open ocean. <laughs> like you'd probably you'd probably bet on it just being lost mm. rather than being like a strategically good move is to leave this place with the clean water and the good defense in order to go and find the ship, which doubtless has washed up next door. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now, well, well, we find out later as to why they've um, why they've actually made that deal, and there's a bit more to it. But um, this this moment here, so to Silver says, okay, so what are you going to do? You can either stay with us, or we'll let you go. But your best, you know, your best chance now is to is to join in with us. Jim basically tells them to take that offer and shove it up their collective pirate asses. Um, he, not only does he say he doesn't want to take the offer and I'd like you know and then ask to leave, he says I don't want your offer and aha it was I that ruined you and then he basically <laughs> confesses to all of it. He says you know I overheard you in the apple barrel. I snuck out to your ship and yeah. cut the anchor. He's just he's trying to get himself killed. <laughs> he really is, isn't he? And this was I've evoked the name once already this podcast, but this was another moment where, you know, our months and months of slow reading A Song of Ice and Fire did really left me with a sense of this book as fantasy because <laughs> You know, on what and what other kind of fictional or real setting can you think turning up in a deserted place full of desperate men who basically gambled their lives in order to become impossibly wealthy? And you turn up and what you say to them is, I am the one who made it so that you are definitely not going to become impossibly wealthy. <laughs> who wants a drink? Like, it's not going to work out, is it? <laughs> so Morgan, one of the pirates, gets up to kill him. Long John yeah, Silver. Well, quite. Yeah, Long John Silver stops him and says he like basically pulls Jim to his side and is like, "You leave him alone. He's a better man than all of you." And he probably like stands up for him. Um, these pirates then sort of chunter for a bit and then so we're going outside for a for a council to decide what to do. Um, they're on the yeah. edge of, <laughs> as they leave. Long John Silver pulls like Jim to to his side and says, "Look, listen." Looks like they're going to mutiny again. <laughs> they love a mutiny, and I think it's going to happen again. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll level with you. You and I, we've been here before, and I think we can see the signs. <laughs> yeah, Silver says that he lost. Um, he basically lost all hope of this turning out well when the ship was gone, um, and his only what he's hoping now. Basically, Sil- Silver. It turns out is doing a bit of mutiny of his own, even though he's the captain. He's lost all faith in these in these sort of useless pirates now, and he wants to get back on board with um, with Jim's team. <laughs> so he, he's basically saying, I'm going to look after you, but you've got to sort of save me from getting hung when, <laughs> when we get off this island. Is that a fair deal? Um, mm. <laughs> what did you make of this? Oh, it's, it's beautiful. I mean... Like, the strategic reasoning behind it comes clear quite quickly um, later on. You know, he's basically decided that now the boat's gone, like, the game's up. Mm. And and you're right that he's also looked around at him and seen the people that he's relying on to survive and gone, well, I don't think you lads are any better than the ones that managed to get themselves killed, you know, by the bucket load every <laughs> single time we've had a fight. Uh, maybe not. Um <laughs> And and it's it's kind of interesting to me that what he's really gambling on there is Jim's a bit naive and you know the kind of residual affection that he's built up by the sheer force of his his geniality on mm. the on the voyage before the apple barrel, but um, but also he's sort of gambling on Jim being enough of a gent 
to believe, to make a bargain that he's going to live up to, knowing that Silver's a guy who doesn't live up to bargains. Hmm. I thought that was really, really, like, I mean, risky. For sure, and and but again, it it means things are like nicely balanced on a knife edge, and it's all balanced around the fact that you you still don't know whether you can, like what what, um what uh, Long John Silver's going to do, hmm. you know, and it's it's brilliant, like great tension, loved it. Yeah, and I suppose it's a it's a fair assumption for Silver to make because sort of being honest and living up to um like living up to promises is it's such a big part of who Jim is um, and it's what and who Jim aspires to be that I suppose Silver's quite good at reading people isn't he and he probably knows that if Jim says he's going to do something <laughs> he's proven yeah. time and again right. he's going to fucking do it <laughs> um, yeah yeah absolutely yeah so um, it, it also turns out that as part of this deal uh, it's already sounding like a good deal for the pirates this stockade deal but also the doctor gave Long John Silver the map the treasure map as part of the deal as well yeah. so this is very fishy yeah. <laughs> it is and, and I'll level with you there's a bit of me because I first read this book when I was like eight or something there's a bit of me that goes back to that age when I read this and I'm just like what the hell <laughs> wow I didn't see that coming but unfortunately, there is now a cynical back half of my brain going, I imagine that the treasure's somehow been burned. You know, like, because <laughs> why else would you do it, right? Like, they must know that it's worthless. Yeah, and I think you get the feeling that Silver's thinking that as well. While all the other pirates have just gone, yes, we've got the map. Silver's like, hmm, this doesn't add up. Something isn't quite right here. Um, he, he takes a long swig from his drink and he basically like says to Jim, there's trouble coming. And it's just a good, it's just a good moment. It really sort of sets you up for the next chapter, wondering what's going yeah, to happen yeah, next. Yeah. It's so interesting yeah. this um, relationship with Silver, isn't it? And how he yeah. um, he tries to sort of surf these two different the waves of these two different teams, if you like, quite a lot. And um, he keeps changing his mind as to where his best interests lie. Um, yeah. Well, and it's kind of amazing that he manages to do that when he's kind of his whole survival. In on like Team Pirate, if you like, mm. Team Pirate versus Team Ninja, <laughs> Team Pirate versus Team Extreme British Upper Class. His place on Team Pirate really kind of depends upon him being the centre of Team Pirate, right? Because if there's somebody who's more indispensable to it than him, all the pirates will follow that guy. So uh, it's just this 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 astonishing thing where he's creating a team and then trying to defect. It's like. Joseph Stalin turning up in, in Washington one one cold 1950s morning and going, Hello, I hear I have fantastic services here regarding free availability dairy products. Love to come to you. You know, like, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, no, that's not the way this whole conflict depends upon you being on the other side. So what the hell are you doing over here? Yeah, no. Okay, so the next chapter is called The, the Black Spot Again. Um, these pirates come back in and they give <laughs> they give Long John Silver uh, the black spot. Basically, it's it's been put on this um, sheet of paper. It turns out it was a sheet of paper torn from the Bible um, because it's the only paper <laughs> they could find. Um, and they give their reasons. They say basically, you're getting the black spot, so you're being deposed as captain for the following reasons. You've bungled the voyage. You've let the enemy escape. Um, you wouldn't let us chase off, chase after the enemy, and you won't let us kill this boy. <laughs> I love that that's one of the points. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's like, and you could just imagine him looking up from the list of grievances and going, "And I'll level with you, John. It really is the no infanticide rule that has got us riled here. Because honestly, bit of good clean fun. Who does it harm? I mean, apart from the boy, obviously. But I mean, who cares about the boy?" Come here, boy, with you. I'll have you. <laughs> you know, I just, I just love the idea of, of them being like, you know what I really wanted to get out of this trip? Wealthy, obviously. But if I didn't get wealthy, I wanted to kill a child. And you're taking <laughs> it away, John. You're taking it away from me. <laughs> yeah. Now, Long John Silver, basically, even for him, outdoes himself here, where he, he sort of stands, well, stands and gives the case for the defence here. Um, he's like, so, so, so point one, the bungled voyage, is like, you forced my hand at this. My idea was to wait for the treasure to be on board. Do we all remember this, guys? Do we all remember what happened there? It's brilliant. 
is an absolute masterpiece of spin, isn't it? It's it's Jose Mourinho level genius of taking trying to retake control of the narrative. So he is the wronged party who only ever wanted to do everybody any good. And I just I just I loved that. Absolutely loved it. I think to be honest though, like that is that was the entirely the pirate's fault. Not not so. I mean, Silver did want. He, he was saying all the way through, "What are we going to do? Wait until the treasure's on the ship, and then just <laughs> none true. of them would listen." And now they're blaming him for it. And he says, um, "I mean, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true." Yeah, he goes. Uh, point point four. He deals with next the boy. He's like, "Look, he's a good hostage, so he's worth keeping alive." Um, so he sort of slides that one to one side. Um, the point they didn't attack. He says he he claims that they need the um, they need the doctor alive because it turns out the doctor's still like looking after them. Like he turns up every so often and uh, oh. treats them for the medical ailments. So it's like so we don't want to kill him because of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's almost like he's describing in describing somebody who has made a Hippocratic Oath and intends to stick to it. It's like he's describing a member of another species, isn't it? It's mm. like, look, there's this human being who, despite all the things we have done to try and murder him, still wants to keep us alive. I suggest that we do not look this gift horse with a medical bag in the mouth, all right? Like, <laughs> let's have him carry on coming back, shall we? Please, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and his final thing, the, the point two, which was you uh, you let people, you let them escape, you made a deal. He's like, well, let's remember, let's cast our minds back, you begged me to make a deal, and <laughs> and this deal that I struck got us the map, so I found us the treasure. So in summary, I found the treasure and you've lost the ship. So who should you be following? <laughs> and all the pirates are like, "Yes, back to silver." <laughs> yeah, and I love that there's not a real like emotional roar. Like there's not that kind of the, the the response I really would have expected if if all or most of these men are English. I would have expected there to be more of a kind of general low level muttering and shamefacedness <laughs> and shuffling of feet before they all go. Yep, John. Yep, yep. No, right, you are. Yep, yep. Thanks. Yeah, Good nice John. Yeah. Well, well done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Instead of silver, like that's not really a kind of bellow from the gut moment, isn't it? You are all a bunch of total morons. Follow me. <laughs> you know, he might be right, but you're probably not going to feel too happy about that, are you? <laughs> yeah. So silver then's like, so your black spot's useless, and the um, the guy who whose Bible it was is a guy called Dick. Oh, yeah. He's like, Dick, you've ruined your Bible for nothing. That's pretty bad luck <laughs> as well. And Dick's devastated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I do love how this isn't just like some kind of little throwaway thing about, you know, kind of, um, you know, kind of an idiosyncrasy of character on Dick's part, but it actually becomes part of the plot later on. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. So Long John Silver here is, is playing this game now. He's trying to keep the mutineers together to keep himself alive but also at the same time trying to strike this deal with Jim, through Jim, with the other side to try and save his life. Chapter 30, on parole. The Doctor arrives. As we say, the Doctor still turning up in the enemy camp to uh, look after everybody. Um, yeah. He shows up, surprised, to say the least, to see Jim there. Um, <laughs> and Long John Silver like welcomes the Doctor like an old friend. He's like, ah, Doctor, great to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is and I love that this is like like route one for Long John Silver. Like you can understand trying to like bluff your way through with a fourteen year old who doesn't really understand how piracy works. You know, with kind of ah Jim, me old mate, come here, Jim. But this is a doctor who has despised Long John Silver from moment one, and Silver's like, oh, I've got to get him on side, haven't I? Hello, mate. How I wonderful to see you. Circumstances, eh? Anyway, welcome, welcome. Me stockade as Sue stockade. Like, I, I'm not sure I'd have the front for it. Do you? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but that, that is, that's one thing Long John Silver's got in spades, his front, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah that's <laughs> true. I mean, I suppose it's not too surprising for us to discover that neither you or I would make a terribly good pirate. I think that's probably... I mean, I, th- I think that cat is out of the bag, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, the doctor treats some of the patients. It turns out Dick's uh, getting a bit of a fever, and Morgan, one of the other pirates, says, "Oh, well, that's what comes from splitting Bibles." As if, as if that was nothing to do with Morgan when they were doing it last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, that classic, absolutely classic. Oh yeah, you idiot! What'd you do that for? <clears throat> yeah, I was not. I was. I was somewhere else. I was visiting my nan. 
she was <laughs> nearby. <laughs> now, the, the doctor wants to have a quiet word with Jim, and um, and Silver allows it, and Jim promises not to run away. The mutineers don't like this. They, they are very suspicious of Silver, aren't they? They think, you're trying to strike yourself yeah. a deal here. Um, yeah. They, they know and in fairness, quite they well. are bang on the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the doctor has a quiet word with Jim. Do- he's really disappointed in him, and Jim gets yeah. all sort of upset and cries. And um, yeah. and Jim says, you know, I, I've I've tried to get the ship and all this, and um, and he says, you know, I, I'm not afraid of death, but I'm afraid of being tortured. And the doctor mm. sort of softens and and feels really bad for him, and he basically urges Jim, basically urges Jim to sort of break his word and said just you know just jump over the wall we'll make a run for it now and jim refuses to do that um yeah jim's big fear is he's afraid if he's if he's tortured he'll give up the location of the ship um because he's because obviously he's got it now and the doctor can't believe that he's managed to do that and promises to save jim somehow yeah yeah, which is and like the fact that he promises to save Jim at that point does kind of put a bit of a tarnish on the Doctor's otherwise squeaky clean reputation, doesn't it? <laughs> like until that point, I think he'd be perfectly happy, really, for this you know kind of at best lower middle class you know pub boy slash cabin boy mm. to go whichever way he pleases and you know take the consequences of his poor decision making. Mm. But when he's like kind of. I know where the boat is. He's like, Jim Lad, a man with a future in the officer's corps if ever I saw one. Welcome back. <laughs> um, there's this, uh, like, Long John Silver's uh, attempt to sort of play both sides comes along here as well as uh, his bravado and his, uh, it sort of disappears once he's away from the mutineers and mm. basically begs for um, the doctor to put in a good word for him if he can keep Jim alive. And that's that's one of the conditions that the doctor says. You know, he says, "Keep keep Jim close, and we're going to help him and and save him and save you as well." I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah, because by mistake, if we must. Yeah, and he says, he'll, "The doctor says he'll he'll do what he can to to save Silver from being executed as well when they get back to England." But you know, as long as it's short of perjury, he's basically he's not going to lie about what happened. But you know, he'll put in a decent yeah, word for yeah. him. If he if he keeps up his end of the bargain here, he also warns Silver not to rush in finding the treasure, and to be prepared for squalls um, when he does. Basically, be prepared for trouble when you do find the treasure, um, which is yeah. a cryptic and uh, or fairly clear, I suppose, warning. <laughs> yeah, I, I quite like that as well. That he feels in such a strong position now that he knows where the ship is. He's just like wandered in to do some good hmm. and has ended up holding all of the cards in, in a game. <laughs> yeah. Literally, the guy sitting on the other side of the table have no cards in their hand and they're wondering what on earth they can bet with. <laughs> because because he now knows that there is no treasure and that he can get off the island and these guys can't. Hmm. And so he's gloating, isn't he, really? He's going, <laughs> just... Uh, yeah, go for the treasure. Go, go for it. Just, 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 just be prepared to be really, really disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we move on to chapter thirty-one: the treasure hunt and Flint's pointer. Um, Long John Silver um, says that he saw he saw Jim decide to stay and not run, and that gives him hope. Yeah. Um, and he says, you know, let's just watch each other's backs, and. Uh, and hopefully we can we can get out of this alive. Um, it's funny because Jim does um, sort of his bravery and his um, his refusal to sort of break his word are admirable characteristics. And Long John Silver uses these as reasons to get Jim to trust him um, by saying, "Oh, I find that really impressive." Therefore, yeah. do you know it's really clever how he does that? He, he uses yeah. Jim's good qualities rather than his own to get Jim to trust him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think this, like, the character of Silver is clearly the most well-sketched character in the whole book. Like, everybody else fulfills a role fairly well. And it's, you know, it's an adventure story. You're here for the plot. You're really not here for the subtle characterization. But it is driven by Long John Silver and the fact that he's believable yet completely untrustworthy Mm. and genial yet 
um, murderous. And, um, yeah, like, manipulative, yet in many areas, somebody that you end up going along with. Mm. You know, even when you know that. Brilliant. Great stuff. Great characterization. Yeah, and he goes back to the pirates and he basically says, look, lads, they've got the ship now, so we've got a chance of getting off the island, so let's find the treasure and then hopefully we can we can get control of this ship and, and the plan's back on. And it's clear that while this is a clever way of keeping all the pirates on board by giving them some extra hope, it's also kind of Silver's, still Silver's preferred plan. You get the feeling if it works yeah. out this way, he's going to be loving it. So yeah. and I think Jim's very aware of that too. Yeah, yeah. I really love that, that Jim's smart enough now to be like, oh yeah, no, I, I see what he's done here. Like, mm. he's not he's not on team us or team them, he's on team him. Yeah. And that's not going to change. Yeah. Silver takes out the greatest um, armoury insurance policy in that as they set off for the treasure hunt, he um, supplies himself with two guns, two pistols, a cutlass, a para, and Jim on a rope. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jim on a rope that makes that makes that perfect, isn't it? Just something special. Jim on a rope. Uh, um, it's just, just, just crazy. And uh, and I particularly love that this is a I, I, this is a detail that only comes out later. Um, which tells you that this was made in a pre-Quentin Tarantino world. But the fact is, some of these pistols are double-barreled pistols, <laughs> which I think I've only seen in, like, really, really awful, like, faux-gothic movies, like the Underworld movies. Like, imagine somebody having a double-barreled pistol in the Underworld movies. <laughs> but that's basically it, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, these days, if you were going to write something with a double-barreled pistol, that would be the first thing you mentioned about the pistol he was carrying. But these we don't find out until a little bit later on, and I thought that was just glorious. Yeah. Like, he's just like, he had these pistols, they were totally badass, I'll tell you about them later. <laughs> yeah. So they head off on this search for the treasure, and they find a skeleton um, that's positioned, uh, pointing in a compass direction. Um, <laughs> it turns out it's a pirate called Allardyce, which is maybe thinking of Sam Allardyce, who's a football manager. <laughs> Isn't it brilliant as well? You just imagine Big Sam at the back, wandering along, going, I don't know why we need to be so positive about this attack. Can we not just stay at home, defend, defend, wait out the clock? Can we not do that? <laughs> on the other yeah. hand, on the other hand, you know, piracy? Say no more, say no more. Yeah, so Allardyce has come to a bad end. And he's um, he's, <laughs> sorry, sorry. And, uh, it's not not gonna stop being funny. Yeah, there's a little bit of chewing gum just next to his uh, next to his skull. <laughs> <laughs> Still got the headset on. <laughs> um, but yeah, That's amazing. Wearing a puffer jacket. <laughs> amazing. But yeah, the fact that Flint's killed one of the crew and then sort of positioned his body, um, in some kind of macabre direction pointer. Um, says a lot about sort of Flint's character um, and his, you know, his violent and uh, yeah macabre nature, and this gets the uh, yeah. gets the crew talking about him in sort of hushed tones, and that apparently he died yeah. bad, um, because we still don't know what happened yeah. to Flint as a character, do we? We just know that he's dead and that he was a fearsome, terrifying, yeah. murderous pirate. Um, yes, yeah. yeah, very much. It's kind. It's almost like if you had Kaiser Soze, but the job that everybody pulls after Kaiser Soze has died. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like this like mythically terrifying guy who happens to be dead and you just keep coming across these things yeah. that, uh, that that he's kind of uh, done. Although I was surprised they were so spooked by this because didn't they already know this? Like one of the crew, one of the pirates was was like ashore, wasn't he? Like when he didn't we hear the story of Flint going ashore with six men and coming back with nothing? But you know, a slightly quizzical look on his face. Yeah. Um, didn't we hear that story already? Yeah, yeah, they did. I'm not can't remember who it was, but yeah, that so that is known. Yeah, I think it's just the um, 
yeah, just coming across the body just reminds them all of just how fearsome the guy was, I suppose. Yeah. And, I mean, if you can take out Allardyce, you can take out anybody. Exactly. His defensive master yeah. was Allardyce. So. Yeah, yeah. Who are we going to find next? It's Pardew sitting on, like, <laughs> on the <treasure>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you'd love that, wouldn't you? You get to the treasure and there's just Gareth Southgate sitting there going, I was nobody's first choice, but I'm a good choice. <laughs> um, so... Next up is uh, chapter thirty-two, the treasure hunt. Voice among the voice among the trees. The pirates are, are quiet um, and like they've gone a lot because there was a lot of singing and sort of like boisterous stuff as they're on the way, and now they're all yeah. a bit subdued. And then there's this shout from the trees, someone um, singing 15 men in a dead man's chest," and then he shouts, "Darby McGraw, fetch the rum, Darby!" And they're um, apparently they were Flint's last words. And nobody on the island knew the words apart from the people standing there. So it's like, shit, it's the voice of Flint's ghost. And everyone's terrified. (laughs) And that's like, that is awesome as a piece of ghostwriting. But also, this is Ben Gunn, isn't it? This is supposed to be Ben Gunn doing the yelling, right? To freak him out. Ben Gunn doesn't know what Flint's last words were because Ben Gunn was marooned by Flint, wasn't he? Uh... Yeah, no, wasn't he marooned at a later date by a second ship when he he brought the second ship back to sort of yeah. find the treasure? They didn't oh, okay. find it, and then they left him on the island. Oh <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You're absolutely sorry. Yeah. So actually, <laughs> I was much less in this moment than I should have been because yeah, you're right. That's proper fucking creepy. <laughs> Long John Silver um, is equally frightened by this, but is, refuses to give up. He says, "Come on, we've got to carry on, regardless of what it is." Um, they eventually, they work out it's Ben, don't they, somehow? I think it's because of an echo. Um, mm. So they sort of, they push on. Um, Dick is getting even sicker as they go along. And he's again going, oh, my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, it adds the little ambience to the whole thing, doesn't it? And I, yeah. I quite, I, I thought that was quite well executed. I thought it was good. Yeah. And as they close in on the place where the treasure is, it's becoming clear that, yeah, preferred plan for Long John Silver still very much is get the treasure and take it all. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, very much. But, but they get to the site and there is no treasure. Surprise, surprise, it's already gone. <laughs> Shit. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> all there is is, uh, is flipping... Um, uh, Oh fuck! That was going to be really funny as well, and I've forgotten his name. <laughs> Pardew. I was going to say no, <laughs> not Pardew. Pardew on the box. <laughs> That's fantastic. No, the flipping West Brom manager used to be Allardyce. at Stoke. Oh, uh, it's Tony Pulis. No. Yeah, Tony. P- Thank you, Tony Pulis, the capo de tutti hacky, flipping Tony there's Pulis. There's just a skeleton with a baseball cap. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh dear. Oh man. Uh, thank you for rescuing that massive inability of mine to land on the punchline or even in the vicinity of on the Ben Gun of that joke. I tell you. Yeah. Sorry if you're listening to this and you and you don't follow English football because um, these the list of obscure <laughs> British ma- football managers is going to be really lost on hey, you. They, but, yeah. they are quite literally, Matt, the best of British, yeah. aren't they? All of the people that we've we've listed so far, English football managers. Uh, yeah. English football um, managers. Yeah. So chapter 33, The Fall of a Chieftain. Now, what's, what was interesting here is, as Silver was getting closer to the treasure, and it was looking like sort of plan A was going to work out, he was becoming more and more sort of short and and nasty with Jim. He was sort of like dragging yeah. him along, and his face yeah. was looking more like... He basically had the expression of a man who's probably going to kill him. Um, yes. And suddenly, as soon as the treasure isn't there the sort of friendly silver appears again and says to Jim, right, we've got to look after each other now because the game's up. I'll, I'll give I'll give yeah. Silver credit. He thinks quickly here. He knows straight away that this is it. The pirates are going to mutiny now because there's no treasure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, all right, okay, all right, fine, fine, fine. And he like gets to the other side of the hole, doesn't he? He's like kind of... Yeah. 
you know, like retreats strategically. And I love that the pirates are all still frightened enough of him, even though they're angry, that they all go on the other side of the hole. Yeah. They're all like, I quite like the security blanket of this massive gaping hole in the earth keeping me safe from the one-armed man <laughs> with a 14-year-old tied to his waist. <laughs> yeah, one-legged. Is How it, intimidating he's got must two, he be? He's got two arms, it's just one leg. Did I say one arm? <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the sequel isn't it Long John Silver 2 this time it's even more difficult <laughs> yeah um, so yeah so he actually he put he basically puts it all on red now Jim being red and he gives uh, he gives Jim one of the pistols um, a couple of the pirates jump into the uh, into the into the hole and they find um, like what two groats or two guineas <laughs> it's like that's all yeah. they've got and it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got the five mutant remaining pirates on one side of this hole, as you say, and Jim and Long John Silver on the other. Um, there's this speech yeah. um, from... Is someone called Mary? Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Um, Hello, red shirt pirate number three. <laughs> you know, I yeah. don't think he's going to have much of a role to play in the rest of this narrative. Yeah. Um, and he, he sort of basically says, right, you're finished, Silver. We're, um, we're going to kill you now. Um, but in the in the fight, there are these three shots fired. Um, Mary is is killed. I think another guy's injured, and the other three run away. Um, yeah. I like it. Long John Silver has this sort of quite badass uh, line after he after he kills um, after he kills George Mary. He just looks at his body and says, "George, I reckon I settled you." Which is just yeah. <laughs> I love how he sort of he faces down these five pirates. Um, yeah. blows two of them away and then like uh, stands over the body of one and is like that's how it's done <laughs> <laughs> it is it is the it's the proper like early 90s action movie one liner isn't it when you finally kill the nemesis mm. you know it's the one it's the time to pay the piper <laughs> or like <laughs> No, no, he had to go, or whatever, you know, like that sort of line where he just looks down at him and sneers. Great. Yeah. Now, this is the point where um, where the other uh, guys are showing up as well, aren't they? The captain and, well, not the captain, but uh, the doctor and Ben Gunn. Yeah. And uh, and it turns out that the, the, we get the story as to what happened here. So Ben Gunn found the treasure and um, and they, you know, team officers dug it up and carried it to that secret cave for safekeeping. That's why the Doctor traded the map um, <clears throat> and the stockade, basically to, yeah. to, to let them escape so they could go and get the treasure. Because the Doctor, if you remember, had gone to see Ben Gunn. Um, yeah, yeah. This plan to save Jim um, was to stall the pirates with um, like Ben Gunn's shouts so they could get their own time to help sort of in this in this sort of uh, final battle. It turns out that it wasn't just um it wasn't just Silver who sort of shot them. There were shots coming from the bushes as well, wasn't there? From the squire yeah, and uh, yeah. and the others. Um yeah. so um the squire they, they go back to the cave to recover the, the boat and the treasure. The squire meets uh, old, old Squire Trelawney Greets Jim, beautiful oh, young fondly. Jim. <laughs> fondly. <laughs> All is forgiven. Uh, not so much for Long John Silver. He's, he's not quite as forgiven. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I love that Silver kind of doesn't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. That like that Silver Silver's just sort of you know he knows the only card he has left to play, even if he's already played it, is to repeat the God bless you, kind master, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, and that and Trelawney is kind of he's angry that he has to go along with it rather than punching the man in the face for his pure insolence and acting that way. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Sort of. I should have you hung. Damn your charming eyes and your your beautiful calves and and your <laughs> artist soul in the kitchen. Damn it, Silver! Just damn it is all. No, as I say, Trelawney loves Jim. So he doesn't mind about what's happened. Um, yeah. Captain Smollett is less, even though Jim's come back with the boat and everything's turned out well. He's still not very happy with him. He says, "You know, you, you'll always be too much of the born favourite for me." He says to Jim, and I quite like how 
um, not everybody is just like, oh, it's all turned out well, well done, Jim. And like Captain Smollett's yeah, like, yeah. look, you still deserted your post and dropped us right in the shit. And regardless yeah, of how yeah. it turns out, that's really not on. Um, yeah. Which I, I, I do, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, very much. Because otherwise it would be too much like the ending of the sort of Hollywood movie, you know, the last scene of it. Hmm. Where, where you know, kind of everybody goes, oh, everything is forgotten because of the outpouring of emotion. Mm. Oh, catharsis, <laughs> you know, purges everything. Everything's fine now. Ha, 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 ha. And I am drawn to the character at the back going, no, no, still an idiot. <laughs> just alive, just a living idiot. Which is better than a dead idiot, some might argue. <laughs> yeah. Myself, I couldn't say. <laughs> He also turns to Long John Silver, the captain, and is like, what the fuck are you doing here? And, <laughs> and so, Silver's response is brilliant. He's like, I've come back to do my duty, sir. Like, yeah! <laughs> the sheer front on the man. Like, at that moment, it approaches genius, doesn't it? Just be like, you've come back. Duty, is it? Duty is what you come... Is it really? Do you want to repeat that and see if the tongue falls out of your head? You know, shriveling at the sheer audacity of what you've just tried to claim. Yeah. No? Okay, fine. <laughs> then we're on to chapter 34, and last, the final chapter. Um, so they load up the Hispaniola. It's got coins from all over the world. It's a massive amount of treasure they've got. It takes three days to load it up, and they can see the drunk mutineers in the distance. So the, the, the three surviving pirates have now like run off to another part of the island and are just getting drunk. Um, Long John Silver is sort of creepingly polite now, and sort of yeah. he's back to how he was before the mutiny, like you know, yeah. uh, employee of the month again. Um, and he yeah. said. He says, like, the men, the, the, the seamen, who are basically begging now to come back as well with him, he said, oh, we can't yeah. have those guys on board. They can't keep the word and all this. <laughs> and at that point, you're like, holy shit. Like, is this... And, and this, this particularly... This is particularly this, like, last hurrah of, like, just mind-blowing sang-froid, right? Is... <laughs> Is is even more impressive because Silver doesn't really spoilers is in this section. Like he doesn't really get an exit scene, does he? He just gets a you know the sort of snapshot. This mm. is what happened to everybody thing. Yeah. And um and you know normally in an adventure story, if the guy who's been the center of the story, you know, would get some sort of comeuppance or climax or you know something thematic and appropriate and deep and the rest of it. Mm. Um. And actually, that's what this turns out to be, just this one last dramatic and spectacular flurry of sheer face. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's almost, it's amazing to watch just the sheer, like, you know, oh, th those lads, no, can't be trusted, sir, certainly not. Me, on the <laughs> other hand, I will be in the galley. Thank you very much. I quite like as well how he's sort of, as they're begging to come back on, he just, he's he's also like, fuck them right off. They were so useless. I had the best plan ever. I could have had all this treasure myself. <laughs> and it's basically their fault. So <laughs> I've looked after myself. I've got myself off the island, but screw those guys. Yeah, um, it very much is. It's Eric Cartman. That's what it is. It's <laughs> Eric Cartman with a twinkle in his eyes. Screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> These three uh, pirates who are left on the island, they, um, they, they leave some supplies for them. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> to sort of... It feels almost just sort of like to ease their own consciences. Um, the, um, the officers, they leave some supplies for the pirates. And as they're sailing away... The pirates start like they're on the knees, like begging to be taken away. And after, when it's yeah. clear that that's not going to happen, they try and shoot Silver, and like one of them <laughs> fires a shot over his head. Yeah, which I yeah, think is yeah. great. They try to just try and the one last try and attempt to take him down with them, but it doesn't yeah. work. I love that they went out there packing. Like you know, all right, lads, here's what we're going to do. We're going to overturn a lifetime of of uh, training in not showing weakness, and literally kneel and beg for our lives to a boat that's disappearing into the middle distance. But everybody's got a pistol taped to the back of their backs, like John McClane in Die Hard. Right, right. Everybody's ready. Every right, here we go. No, please. <laughs> Just brilliant. Once again, the sort of conflicting 
activities there and presentation, you know, like the deceit, the like the kind of hilariously blunt deceitfulness and untrustworthiness. Yeah, yeah. As you as you say, they, they stop off in South America or Central America, some sort of part of sort of yeah that kind of part of the world, little island or a port. And Long John Silver takes this opportunity to escape. He basically nicks 400, 400 quid from the treasure chest and um, <laughs> and gets away. And it's, part, it's basically because he's left on the ship with Ben Gunn and Ben is still yeah. so terrified of Silver that he lets him yeah. go. He basically th- yeah. thinks that it's safer to let Long John Silver escape than keep him yeah. on the ship and take him back to England. It's not worth the risk. So he lets Silver yeah. escape. And I thought this yeah. was really surprising I, I quite enjoyed the surprise of um of silver's fate because you you're reading yeah. this thinking oh and eventually he's going to get his comeuppance um and he he doesn't he his yeah he's his sort of genius if you like his dark genius of of playing whatever whatever hands suits him and whatever side and backstabbing whoever he needs to survive works yeah. for him and he, he gets away yeah. with, he doesn't get all the treasure like he wanted, but he gets a significant amount to make him pretty rich and um, yeah. and survives. What do you make of his fate? Well, like I say, it feels really anticlimactic and I can't decide if that's like a conscious choice hmm. by Robert Louis Stevenson or if it's just this sort of kind of, because he was working out how to write an adventure novel, he doesn't, none of those conventions exist, so, so why do it? Like, and... And by the same token, I'm at the other end of a 150-year history of, you know, sludge novels being written where, not that this is sludge, but you know what I mean, Mm. where, you you know, the whole point is the, you know, viscerally satisfying dramatic payoff Mm. of one form or another. And for it all to be told in that kind of 70s movie back, you know, flashback kind of like, you know, Bobby went on to become the US senator for, you know, all of that, Mm. um, which is the way it's done... It feels anticlimactic, and I can't work out if I'm supposed to go back and see if that was part of the character, or if I'm just supposed to be like, "Oh, well, you know, books were different back then." There you go. You know. Yeah. Um, I yeah. don't know. What did you think? Yeah, the end is a bit strange, isn't it? Because it, it is this just very quick paragraph or two summary of what happened to everybody. Um, yeah. It's interesting that, um, to be honest, I I felt uh, there's a straight. You, you, you do get a strange sort of fondness for Silver because he's such an interesting character. He's quite hard to... Yeah. Despite how he acts and h- how many people he lets down or backstabs, he's quite a hard yeah. character to hate. And um, Yes. And it's, yeah. it's interesting yeah. that the protagonist feels the same way. Jim... Um, well, mm, Jim, Jim says, you know, he, Silver's never heard from again and he hopes he, he had a good life. But um, mm. he, he, he sort of, <laughs> the, the key caveat of that is he hopes he had a good life because he expects he's going to end up in hell. <laughs> so <laughs> he's going to get his comeuppance anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Which is a very, like, Robert Louis Stevenson ending to the book, isn't it? Like, the drama is metaphysical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> quite quite interesting approach. Yeah, and it runs through some of the other people. Yeah, the captain is retired because they, they basically there were five survivors after Silver. So there's Bengun, Jim, the Doctor, Grey, and the Captain. Oh, hang on, six yeah. survivors. You've got Trelawney as well, haven't you? Um, yeah. And they share, so they share the treasure between them. The Captain takes his share and retires to the country. Um, Grey um, become, is, has become a mate on a ship, though, so like second in command of a ship of his own, and he's now married yeah. with kids. That's a happy ending yeah. for the um, yeah. almost pirate turned loyalist. Ben Gunn yeah. um, spends his money in 19 days. He absolutely just basically, <laughs> paper, paper, makes it rain for, yeah. for a month. <laughs> but what a month, Matt. I love I that it's where it says, Ben blew it all in 20 days. Actually, 19. I saw him begging on the 20th. Like, <laughs> brilliant absolutely brilliant isn't it yeah i saw I bet. <laughs> i saw him crawl out from under a pile of coke and hookers on the 20th <laughs> <laughs> looking broke but somehow satisfied 
Yeah, he now he now lives in a village. Apparently, even though he sort of spends it so quickly, it's a nice ending for him because he he's sort of been almost taken under the wing by uh, of this village and now lives there and yeah. is um sort of a I don't know this little sort of uh, little guy who just knocks about the village and everybody looks after. Um, yeah, as we say, Long John Silver's never seen him again, and Jim. Um, we don't really know what happens to him in the future because um, yeah. he's not writing this particularly long after. Um, he's not sure what he's going to do with himself and he's still having nightmares where he hears the parrot squawking pieces of eight, which is how yeah. sort of... And it's quite a dark way to end, isn't it? It's just this guy, this teenager yeah. who says, yeah, I got some money. I don't know what to do with it. don't know what to do with myself. The only thing I've really taken away from it is this sort of crippling psychological damage. Um, yeah, and fear of parrots. And fear of parrots. <laughs> Interestingly, yeah, part of the reason it feels a bit of a rushed ending, we don't hear what happened to Trelawney or the Doctor. He doesn't even bother to say. They just disappear. Yeah. Maybe it's just self-evident at this time and in this place they want on being as powerful and influential as they used to be, just with slightly nicer curtains. You know? <laughs> yeah. like, I suppose that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. There's no, there's I'm, no transformation. They've gone on no journey whatsoever, except the literal one to the other side of the world, <laughs> which is vexingly free of a good source for snuff, and come back alive. And that's what they've done. That's their journey. <laughs> yeah, maybe Jim's still um, so like, uh, like a bit unhappy because he's basically just living with Trelawney now in some kind of gilded <laughs> cage. <laughs> he can't get away. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, so, yeah. So, and so I, ends Treasure Island. There it goes, and I can't think of any other way you could. I mean, you could do some sort of big production number, you know, ending, you know, something dramatic. You could do another scene when they put into port, involving more back and forth between Jim and Long John Silver. But you've already had that conversation six times in the novel. You know, you can't do the big explosive ending with, you know, the Deus Ex Royal Navy where it turns out the HMS Dauntless turns up off the off the port bow and blows everybody away. Like, it's just not... I don't know what you would write if you were trying to write a dramatic ending to, to Treasure Island because the yeah. climax was the treasure's not there. That was the moment where the book kind of peaks and then it's kind of all downhill from there, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, it just makes it a kind of funny and a little bit kind of more lumpy. Like, like I would say, here it is, walking into a very old pub in England that's so old that the beams are all at mental angles, you know, like kind of 25 degrees off true and stuff like that. Like, yeah. it's all settled into itself, and it's been around for long enough that it's a very, very odd shape compared to what I would expect. But I do quite enjoy spending time there. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that definitely. I, I I really really enjoyed this book. Um, I thought it was uh, just a, a great sort of simple, uh, you know, classic adventure story. Um, there's not, yeah. not not a great deal. I mean, the the one the, there's one brilliant character, Sil- Long John Silver, yeah. and then everybody else is basically not particularly well drawn, are they? But they they good they good enough yeah. to sort of advance the story. And yeah. it doesn't really matter when you've got such a such a fascinating character that everybody else revolves around. Um, yes, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, I mean, there is <laughs> there is a bit. I mean, you got to really leave your sort of. I don't know. You, you've you've got to take a lot of this with a pinch of salt and leave your skepticism at home because. Yeah, the fact that Jim survives at all is just the number of scrapes he gets himself into. Yeah, yeah. More than once in the course of this book, I was I was reminded of the phrase Mary Sue, which I think we've spoken <laughs> about before, right? Yeah. Whereas the the purpose of it is that there is a, a protagonist roughly the same age as the expected audience who always wins. Yeah, that's that's it, and that's absolutely what Jim Hawkins is. I think. But then I am not a fourteen-year-old boy in the eighteen sixties. So, you know, what the hell do I know? Maybe it was. Maybe this was. You know, stunningly audacious writing. But um, yeah. you know, the the context has withered away, and all we're left with is this amazing character and this classic bunch of uh, of pirate tropes before they were cliches. And for that alone, it was great. Yeah, and it's got to be seen as a success in that sense because he wrote it for his son. So, um, oh, so, did yeah. he? Oh, brilliant! Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, cool! Really clear. So he had a very clear audience in mind, and um, yeah, and it is the yeah. perfect book for that kind of audience, isn't it? So yes, very much, very, very much. 
Well, that's what we think of it. Shall we um, get a few reviews from around the internet? Ooh, Classic. is it reviews o'clock, Matt? I love this. Reviews this o'clock, you know what time it is. So, <laughs> um, these are ratings of uh, one to five stars. Uh, unsurprisingly, for a classic of English literature, it, it weighs fairly heavily on the five, four to five star range. Although there are some yeah. one starers, which we'll get through. So, um, Love it. start with Jason. Jason gave it four stars. And Jason says, Army reader, embark now on a voyage of high seas adventure with scurvy pirates, honest jack tar sailors, maroon souls, and a vast treasure buried on some faraway island. Aye, that's Treasure Island. Way anchor, me laddie. The wind's always fair for getting this wonderful tale underway. Har! OMG, that's exhausting. And that's his review. <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay, the comment at the end saves it. Because <laughs> until that point, what I was thinking was, like, he may be trying to write... I think you're doing him too much credit by reading it in the voice he wants. I think that is a much better review if you read it in a sort of received pronunciation kind okay. of accent. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Okay, yeah, yeah, hit me. Army reader. Embark now on a voyage of high seas adventure with scurvy pirates... <laughs> Honest Jack Tar sailors, maroon souls, and a vast treasure buried on some faraway island. Aye, that's Treasure Island. Way anchor, me laddie. The wind's always fair for getting this wonderful tale underway. Ah. <laughs> what do you reckon? That's perfect. That, Matt, is Treasure Island as the Radio 4 book at bedtime. That's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jason thank you ever so much for that review it's given us all kinds of enjoyment um, and yeah absolutely. you gotta love the pirate talk I love the pirate talk oh absolutely yar yar <laughs> um, Eve gave it five stars and she says the book's blurb says the most popular pirate story ever written in English and they're not kidding about it practically every pirate tale written since then was influenced by this classic which is really good point. I love how she's qualified yeah. ever written in English. I'd, I'd probably just go for ever written. I don't know if there's a, a pirate yeah, wonder, story you know, written in a different language that's better or bigger or more influential. I can't think of one. I mean, no, absolutely. I haven't heard of it, but you'd have to expect there'd be some Spanish literature in this, wouldn't you? I mean, mm. Spain's far bigger seafaring nation, certainly to start with, than England was. So... Yeah. I'm kind of, uh, that's really fascinating. That's a question I'd never considered before. What would, what's the equivalent of pirate talk in French? Mm. You know, like, is it, is it still really classy or is it that kind of Marseillaise kind of down and dirty scuzz? Mm. You know, the kind of, you know, uh, gitan screwed into the corner of the mouth and so on. <laughs> yeah. Shiver moi timbre. <laughs> I actually really want to go and find out what that is now. I really want to know what the what the kind of French version of Treasure Island is. Is I mean, we know what it's like, Matt, don't we? We know what it, we know how at least one scene goes. <laughs> Billy Bones, <laughs> bland, pure. I'm imagining a little sort of parrot with a with a thin moustache saying pieces of wheat <laughs> <laughs> le pièce de wheat oui. le pièce bon. de wheat le, le, louis d'or seulement le louis d'or s'il vous plaît <laughs> pas de les pieces de wheat <laughs> pas de les les autres l'autre l'argent non absolument non louis d'or ou euh, ou va <laughs> that's what i imagine the uh, the french Captain Flint the Parrot saying. Amazing. So we, we, we could spend all day going through all the various languages which um, which uh, which could influence pirate talk. Uh, I, I am in no position to do anything other than do a bad French inversion. I don't know any other language well enough to do that sort of violence to uh, I was looking forward to the Dutch one. That would be great. I don't have it in me. That would be amazing. Dutch pirates. I mean, they existed for sure. Like yeah. Dutch big seafaring nation. But I, I kind of love the idea of a Dutch pirate kind of being very sort of... I want to give a shout out to Ben here, by the way, friend of the podcast and a close Dutch friend of mine, who informs me that uh, the, 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 the fundamental Dutch mindset is one of always following the rules. How that would translate hmm. to the pirate setting, I don't know, but I'm fascinated to hear. Yeah, they won't be smoking pipes, put it that way. They'll be altogether different. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> stoned all the way there and all the way back. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's just very chilled on a Dutch pirate ship. Yeah. Just, guys, don't worry, we're going to get there. There's going to be treasure. It's yeah, fun. when they turn up, when they turn up and there's no treasure, it's like, ah, oh, well, <laughs> what are <laughs> you going to do? Good. Do you want a spliff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, you're right, though. Sorry, I, I interrupted and hauled us back onto this profoundly questionable uh, seam of comedy when you were trying to move us on from uh, our standard issue, English extreme xenophobia. So let's, let's do the next one. Let's move in some one stars. Katie gave it one star, and her review Ooh. is just a four words. I don't speak pirate. <laughs> That's actually brilliant. Like I, I can have no argument with that. If you don't speak pirate, this is a terrible, terrible novel, and you're not going to enjoy it. That's just how it is. Yeah. Um, Jess has an interesting point. She gave it one stars. She said, um, I hated this book. I thought it was very one-dimensional. I was offended by the lack of women. Also... However, mm. I understand. Sorry, I, I read that wrong. I was offended by the lack of women. Also, however, I understand that the reason for this was because he wrote it for his son, who was still small enough to ask his father not to put any women in the story. Um, really? I don't know. I don't know if that's true, um, or if that's just or if that's assumption. just conjecture. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, no yeah there's, there's, isn't, th- isn't great. No. <laughs> No, well, I mean, yeah, that's true. And actually, in the, I, I mean, we've reread the first bit where his mum is treated appallingly by all sorts of men who think they know better than she does. We we I, we read that in a, in as feminist a way as possible, I think. But no, absolutely right. Like it is totally on that account. It is as open as almost every other work of popular fiction. Um, mm. to the charge of having no interesting female characters in it and failing the Bechdel test. Mm. Which, I mean, it fails the Bechdel test, you know, kind of like landing on a hotel on Mayfair. You know, it doesn't just, it doesn't just slightly miss. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost impressive how, how spectacularly <laughs> it fails the Bechdel test. Uh, yeah. But failure, it unquestionably does. I can have no argument with that. Carl gave it one star. And he, he, he his, his, uh, his review is just three words. And it's just... Meh, treasure Wyland. Hey, am I oh, right, guys? As, as his hands that. up for the high five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. He absolutely does, and he deserves it. <laughs> that that truly, Carl, is is a masterpiece of uh, of of dismissive reviewing. And I'm a sucker for a pun, so I'll have it. Although I have to say, that's your response to Treasure Island. I don't think the rest of your life as a reader has much joy in store for you. <laughs> if like if. If it's that high, then uh, the, your bar, then I think you may not be that. Uh, don't do the Da Vinci Code, I suppose, is what I'm saying. You know, don't just, yeah. just don't, don't. Don't uh, anybody w- should do the Da Vinci Code. Nobody should do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> that would do listen to the podcast about it. We had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Davlin gave it five stars and says, perhaps the finest pirate adventure ever created and a personal childhood favourite of mine. It's quite nice. Um, Kevin gave it five stars and said, you know it was a great book when your six-year-old son gets teary when he hears there's no sequel. LOL in capital letters. I love it. It's got (laughs) LOL in capital letters. Yeah, so it's like, I laughed aloud in his face. (laughs) Um, That reminds me, as a slight sidebar, are you familiar with the the, uh, computer game um, Half-Life? Yeah. Computer game series Half-Life. Um, you know how famously the the um, we're still waiting for a sequel to it, and its its narrative has been left hanging in the air. I think ever since two thousand and seven, hmm. possibly two thousand and six, like more than a decade now. There's a video online um, of um, a dad who has played through all of the Half Life two games and got to the end of the the where the storyline currently finishes, which is a massive cliffhanger, um, with his son. And then it's the first time his son's played it, and he films his son, like, he films his son watching the credits as they start to roll. And then his son just turns to him and goes, Dad, what happened next? And he just goes, son, nothing happened next. The story's over. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like, it, but the thing is that we all experience that disappointment, don't we? When a story doesn't go on to do the thing that it's told us it's going to do. Oh, I'm bracing and, myself, Dave. Game of Thrones. I'm getting yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, isn't it? Like, there are now two major media things in my life that I've experienced that are going to really break my heart. <laughs> One of them's Half-Life, and I've made my peace. I've gone through the five stages of grief, but I mean, damn, man, I don't see how Game of Thrones gets finished. I do not see how that <laughs> occurs to be honest with you 
Yeah. Um, I've got one more review. Travis gave it yeah. five stars. He says, one of the all-time greats. It's got it all. Mystery, adventure on the open seas, a treasure hunt, noble good guys, despicable bad guys, and pirates. Although I suppose we'll lump those last two together. Um, in John Silver, you have one of the greatest characters ever created. Not a hero or a villain, Ooh. but someone who's just that right shade of grey. Hmm. I'd still class I, him I, as a villain, I'd say. But <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Like, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Matt. Yes, Long John Silver is fairly unquestionably a villain. He's just a charming one. And there is a difference between an ambiguous character and a smiling bastard. But, but still, I, broadly, I agree with that review. I think it's good. So that's us done with Treasure Island. It's been a, it's been a long but pleasurable journey on the high seas. Um, Absolutely, and uh, yeah, we're going to be we're getting up towards Christmas now. So next next week, get ready for this for a Christmas special. We're doing a film, a much beloved film. Uh, <laughs> is Christmas, it joined by the Amazon reviews? Apparently so. Yeah, um, really. Yeah, it's um, it's Arnie. It's Jingle all the way. <laughs> <laughs> We should explain here that we're not doing this because we consider it to be a classic of the Christmas fiction genre, right? We're yourself. doing this because... <laughs> well, I mean, let's do it on the podcast then. Don't let's, put words let's, on let's, let's get into it, <laughs> I apologise, Matt. I have traduced you. And I have failed to prevent you from traducing yourself. But we'll do it next week. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, jingle all the way next week. So um, until then, see you then. And good luck with your Christmas shopping. Ho ho har.